to the right. Mariota drops. Steps up. He can run a long way. 
it was just one of those days that, you know, a bit like the Bengals last year and, and there's been other games in the past like it. Um, it, it was one of those ones you kind of just want to shrug off, shrug off and, and say, we go again. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it really stung on Sunday because I think we know the Jets, I mean, they've averaged six and a half points before Sunday per game and they got more, more sacks than that on Tannehill. So it, it was pretty much tells you the whole story. Yeah, Harry, I mean, this is where I need you to come in now and sort of see if you picked up any positives during the game. But I'm, I'm having a funny feeling that you're probably very similar. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a frustrating game, wasn't it? Really, you see it from a Titans' point of view at least once a year. Um, where it's a game that we should, you know, chance them and walk all over them, and it just doesn't happen. Obviously, being out, AJ Brown and Julio Jones is a is a massive loss to any team, um, and I think that's you know something that we can probably take away from it is you know if you're a Premier League team and you're down your two best strikers, you, you're not probably going to score the goals that you normally would. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing. Uh, Tannehill still, you know, doing some great work in, in tying the game with the last drive of, the, of normal time is, is really good as well. Personally, I would have gone for two points there, but sure, it's just one of those. Um, it, look, we, we argue about Vable going for two or four from one to whatever the whole season, I think. It seems to be a theme in, in this podcast in particular and just tightened life, basically. I'm I want to pick up on that. I think Vrabel still has nightmares about London because he hasn't gone for two ever since London. I think he has nightmares about that game and the fact that he went for it when he did and obviously we all know what happened. There's definitely something psychologically there. I mean, he goes for two in under other circumstances. Like when he went for two in the Colts game last week, which actually was quite important at the time. It's not like he hasn't got confidence that we can score a two-point conversion. I just think he has nightmares when the game is on the line um, and all when the game is, I mean, because let's face it, probably would have won that game if we were one point up um, going into that final, that final drive with maybe less than a minute on the clock. He has nightmares about London. He's not the only one. We're with you, Mike. Yeah. We also have nightmares about it. Yeah, I think, you know, just looking at the momentum of the game, you didn't really fancy our defence to stop them at that point and you didn't necessarily expect our offense to score points either to be honest so to have a 50 50 call on a you know a two yard out two point conversion is is probably the, the choice i would have taken there but um that's not a positive uh you know on on the whole Derek Henry's still a class act um christian fulton he sort of took a back step really apart from his interception but on the whole, was pretty decent, in my opinion. Um, and then you look at Howard Landry and what he's doing as, as a, you know, edge rusher. He is just fantastic this year. I, you know, I want whatever he's eating in the off-season because he's just come into this season like a man possessed. So, you know, a couple of positives there um, on an otherwise very um, bad day to be a Titans fan. So, sure, it's one of those. It's saved me the question when my dad asked me before why didn't we go for it? why didn't we go for two points at the end? There's the answer for your dad because of nightmares of London. Um, I wanted to move on to I say move on to I wanted to go on to the defense before we go on to the offense. You just brought up Landry there, Harry. Uh, Greg, was there any other people that you thought sort of stood out in the game? I mean, Autry made what looked like a almost game-saving tackle towards the end. Who 
you know, a lot of defensive tackles in that situation give up on the ball or don't show the composure he did. And it was a brilliant tackle. Granted, it just scores one point in a fantasy game, but for the for the people who notice it, it's a brilliant play. Yeah, defensively, it was uh, it wasn't good in the secondary, but I think up front, it wasn't too bad. Um, we're getting pressure, and Landry's been a big, big part of that. Um, Wilson, look, we we went we were nine nil up when Wilson kind of had that drive that that ended up being a seventy five yard drive that made it nine seven. It wouldn't have been ridiculous for us to be. 17 nil up at that particular point at 17 nil is he is that drive happening realistically I don't see it I really don't so it's it's kind of it's fine margins to an extent and it was I think our red zone offense which we'll touch upon in a minute that kind of let us down but defensively Fulton playing in the slot didn't work for me um I think he he was found coming a little bit um I think Chris Jackson being out in that in that spot wasn't great but the biggest biggest thing and, and it's not the first time we've said it this season is is the deep threat I mean if you've got a quarterback who's got an arm who can throw it deep you've got to fancy it against this this secondary I think um was it Davis who who got one I think we're quite running quite deep against borders I can't remember exact I was trying to trying to raise the game for my memory to be honest with you but that deep threat or or the deep threat against this defense is probably the one thing on the defense I am most worried about because um, I feel like it's just going to be targeted every single time. There's almost like a panic, Crookshank, or the penalty on, well, it might have been Davis again, actually. A bit stupid, didn't need to do it at all, just didn't time it right and it ended up just looking like he just barged into him rather than actually trying to make a play for the ball. Um, and that all came again from a relatively relatively long throw from from Wilson but yeah defensively there wasn't a huge amount that filled me with confidence apart from what we've already discussed Autry I think has been a really really good pickup from free agency uh, Landry has just become the Harold Landry that we wanted to see pretty much from when we drafted him um, it's almost like the guy knows he's, he needs to get paid pretty soon and he's just turning it on in, in <laughs> at the time when the time's right but yeah, I think defensively we we do have concerns, and a lot of that is in the secondary. Janoris Jenkins, I think we need to touch upon as well. Well below, and yes, he's Janoris this week. Um, well below what we would expect from from someone of his experience. I mean, there was one play I think Rabel even com- commented on where he was like 15 yards off of the receiver. You can't do that, especially for someone as experienced as him. Um, 27 points isn't horrendous, but when it's the Jets and they've averaged six and a half, it looks pretty damn bad. So it's going to be one of those ones, I think, just need to dust yourself off. you got to, in my opinion, actually, even though they're 0-4, an even bigger challenge coming up this coming Sunday. Yeah, I mean, one thing defensively to look at, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into our O-line. I don't even want to call it troubles anymore. I think we need to use a more severe word, but We've given up seven sacks in this game, but we've only actually managed one sack um, on the Jets. Do we feel like Harry, I know we're saying Landry's set off like he's been fired out of a cannon, but obviously missing Dub, uh, I was about to call him Dub Dupree, but Bud Dupree. Um, do we feel that we are still actually missing that extra weaponry that's helping us get to the quarterback to put the pressure on? Because one sack against, I mean, they're, they're an all right line at the Jets, but they've not been anything special this year. 
Yeah, I think one thing that we've really seen is that we've struggled to contain the quarterback more so than anything else. Um, and as soon as that quarterback gets out of the pocket, I mean, it doesn't help that we faced three quarterbacks in the first four weeks that love to get out of the pocket with Wilson, Wilson and Kyler Murray. Um, that doesn't help your stats on those kind of things. But yeah, in terms of like actually containing the quarterback and, and pinning him in, and that's how you get those sacks, it just hasn't looked amazing. Um, and it, if you've got a force from both sides, then hopefully that that doesn't become too much of an issue. But yeah, I do think we are missing that, that one impact. I think, you know, Simmons in the middle is, you know, getting double teamed on every play, which should allow other players to really come out and, and have that possession and that time to be there. Um, but on the whole, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, not pretty really on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, although a marked improvement on last year, despite the, you know, if you take away the deep balls that have beaten us on the odd one, I'd definitely say it's a, a massively improved defense. Um, just frustrating to watch. And, it's the game that we play. We don't necessarily need to be amazing on defense because we rule the time of possession. That's that's what we what we do. It just means that the defense, when they come on and they're fresh, they just need to you know push and and, and get those. But at the moment, it's not quite all clicking. But I don't want to be sort of hyperbolic and stressing out too much after you know a bad loss. But sure, that's the way life is that we all do. And we only get 17 games a season. So, of course, you're going to go mental when your team loses. Yeah, and luckily it's only Trevor Lawrence next week and he can't move, can he? So we'll see how they work with that next week. But we will get into that. But moving on to the offensive side, I want to give a quick shout out to Randy. You've missed your kick, but I find that I'm not hiding as much whenever we have a, a kicking situation. Um, so I, I, I still stand by Randy Bullock going forward. Um, I'm sure there's others that may have difference of opinion. But when we went into the game, we knew we were missing a couple of key wide receivers. And obviously, looking at the stat line, you can see of McNichols leading on receptions that there was clearly an issue with throwing the ball. Uh, Greg, how much of an impact did it have actually uh, missing those two? And maybe... I don't know if it's disappointment, but not really getting as much out of the tight ends as we probably expected. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, this is his, I think, second year with the Titans, and I still don't really understand what, what Jeff Swaim does. Um, he, if he's a blocking tight end, he doesn't block very well. If he's a catching tight end, he doesn't catch very well. So, it, or even, even get himself in positions to make many, many catches. So, he's a... It's, it's, the Titans was frustrated. Folks are coming back. We all thought he was going to get targets galore, and he ended up with, I think, two catches. Whether that was, in the end, by design, sort of stopping from potentially getting injured again, I, I, I don't know. But he didn't really get as involved as we'd like. And I think that it's hard It's hard to sit there and criticise the receivers that we had out there because they were having to carry this offence without Julio Jones and AJ Brown. But it did kind of make me think, OK, is it a case of these receivers that we've got like Westbrook Aquina and Reynolds and Rogers? Are they actually not as good as we think they are? Or is it actually a case of this is the first time that a lot of them are going to have the focus that they've had from a defensive pr perspective. They don't get the focus. Normally everyone's concentrating on AJ and Julio um, or even just AJ if Julio, when Julio wasn't here last year and you know, Corey Davis, et cetera. So I, d I don't know if we really learned anything at all. Um, 
but the issue is O-line, and it has been all season. And even with a, an okay performance against the Colts, it's kind of papered over the cracks of this O-line just hasn't performed. You can't keep getting Ryan Tannehill sacked seven times. And I'm not saying all seven were on the O-line, but there might have been one or two that Tannehill maybe should have thrown away or, or scrambled out of the pocket or had better awareness. But we, we're just going to keep coming back to the fact that this O-line hasn't performed as we're used to it performing. I still don't think Luan's ready. I still don't think he's he's 100% healthy and that's not helping. Um, on the other side, you've got Questenbury, who, you know, with respect, I love the story of Questenbury and I actually think he's a, uh, he was obviously a top guy, but I, I, he's not a number one right tackle in this league. And then on the inside, it's it's kind of the, the pressure that we're getting on the outside is obviously just putting more pressure, therefore, inside. And we've not seen the best of, I mean, Jones, I think there was one stupid full start penalty, which, which kind of cost us in this game, or not cost us, but certainly had an impact in this game from him. Uh, was it delay a game? I can't remember. There was definitely one penalty that was definitely on Jones. I remember that. Um, but the O line for me is is the biggest worry, and if we can't cause if we can't give Tanhill the time to make plays, it doesn't really matter who you've got to catch the ball when he's on his backside getting sacked every other play. Yeah, Harry, with with Tannehill, um, like we said, seven sacks. How many of them do you think actually? We've we've talked about the line a little bit. How much do you think is actually now coming down to Tannehill? And I don't want to say it's it's the each game it keeps happening, but to me. He's holding on to the ball too long. But then when he looks like he has the opportunity to go and stretch his legs, he was doing it a lot more last year compared to this year. Yeah, I think some of that's play design. Um, you see him when he gets out on a bootleg. Usually he's got like one shallow option and one sort of slightly deeper option. And then he tends to pull it down and run. Um, and that's not happened as much this year as, it, as I would probably like to see the pocket move. If you've got a bad O-line, move the pocket move where the quarterback's setting and, and and throwing from, keep the tight ends to chip and then come out in little screens, which we did try and do bits of, but just didn't really work as much. Um, I still think Tannehill's a good quarterback. Um, I still think he's, you know, more than serviceable. His stats show that. I just think at the moment he doesn't necessarily... I think part of it, he didn't, especially this game, didn't have the confidence in the receivers um, to know that if he throws it up, you know, there's going to be a catch made. Whereas when you've got AJ and Julio on the, you know, on the outside and you throw it up, you expect one of them to come down with it, hopefully would be would be your aim. So I think that probably played into his mind a little bit and probably do, trying to do a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, realistically, we need a little bit of a scheme workout to work out how we can actually play a bit of the quick game. You know, when we go into that hurry up two minute offense, we look really good. Um, and it's with or without Henry in the game. So, you know, if we can do more of that, then it becomes better for us. But we just need to find a way to incorporate that into our normal offence as well as, you know, just relying on Henry in the play action, which play action hasn't worked as well this year. So we need to move away from it, in my opinion. It's a good point, though, that you make, Miles, in terms of, you know, him not getting out of the pocket. I was just reading, he had three carries for nine yards. And when an O-line is getting battered down as much as it has done, especially on Sunday, you'd think surely that there'd be some play designs that would would be saying, OK, let's, let's get him out of the pocket. Let's get him out of situations where he might end up getting sacked. But I don't think, whether it just wasn't 
the, the play call wasn't that, I don't know, or whether it was a case that Tannehill was 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 not willing to or, or didn't see. I, I think for me, he's definitely, he's not been the same player as we saw in the last just under two years or wherever it's been now. Um, this season, I don't think he's, he, I don't think he's quite got that confidence that he had last year. Um, but that said, you know, he's not, he's not a bad quarterback still. That hasn't made him a dreadful quarterback. I think he just needs, I think he needs one game where he just goes off and just, you know, throws for 400 plus yards, throws four or five touchdowns, just goes absolutely ballistic. And all of a sudden, I'd, I think he and, and all of us will feel a hell of a lot better about his situation. But it feels that's that's quite a long way away. It feels like there's, if you look at the games coming up, the Jags, as much as everyone will sit there and say, oh, we, we should be winning that game. And, and yeah, absolutely, we should be. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm certainly not going to be full of confidence going into it. Um, and I can't see Tannehill throwing four or five touchdowns. So and then the games after that fill me with dread. So we'll have to wait and see where it comes. But this is the Titans. We'll, we'll lose to the Jags and then absolutely batter the Bills, right? I mean, it's normally the way it goes. That's what I said. It's, it's what I always say. It's We'll lose these sort of games and then we'll go on a run in the playoffs and everyone will forget about it. Fingers crossed. Um, for the American listeners, there's a British program that's called Hole in the Wall, which we've probably stolen from uh, an American uh, series where you shall bring on the wall and the wall comes charging at you and you've got to make a shape or something and run through it. And I feel that's what Derek Henry's life is, is that every single day he just feels like there's this giant wall coming towards him. And yet the man has 33 carries, 157 yards and a touchdown. And he leads the league in rushing yards. He's second with yards after contact before you even get to the next player. Um, I dread to even think where we'd be without him but do we think it might sound a stupid question we've all seen this gym workout but he's touching the ball an awful lot early on in the season are there any concerns that we're thinking we don't have receivers that just hand it off to Henry or do we keep riding this train until hopefully it gets us through this little uh, wide receiver issue patch Harry yeah, it's a, it's a little bit worrying. Um, I think if you look at the history of running backs that have had like back-to-back weeks of over 30 touches, their injury history doesn't look too good afterwards. You look at Kamara like even a year or so ago, um, Saquon Barkley, you know, as soon as you start getting up there in touches, it's usually a bit of a recipe for disaster. Um, however, Henry's kind of rewritten what to expect from a running back. Not only is he six foot three, uh, he's over 200 pounds. Uh, he's got you know, arms the size of legs and legs the size of tree trunks. Um, and he can outrun pretty much every DB that I've seen him run against. So in, in terms of what you expect from running backs, I don't think you can necessarily compare him to, to anyone, especially in the modern day game. Um, but yeah, obviously it is constantly in the back of your mind, especially when you see a performance like we did against the Jets, that if he goes out, then who have we got running the ball? You know, you've got no one really behind him that you trust to do the same same job. So, And the, the offence, although traditionally it runs through a quarterback, in Tennessee it runs through a running back and it literally runs through you. And if it, that stops, then we really do struggle. So, um, yeah, a little bit worried, but hopefully we get a bit of a layup where we get an, an early lead and then can sort of just rest him a little bit. But who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not as worried. I think this is his game. This is just how he plays. 
I, I 100% understand where you're coming from, Harry, in terms of, you know, you, you see when when running backs have this many carries, inevitably they, they crumble and eventually just kind of end up nowhere. But I don't I don't think Henry's going to have that problem. And he, the way that he's built, you know, he's, he's almost superhuman in that regard. And if you compare him, like last year, he was outstanding. And this point last year, he was on 376 yards, averaging 3.7, had scored four touchdowns, and also had six catches to 32 yards. He's currently on 510 yards, averaging four and a half, four touchdowns, which is the same. But that's 14 catches for 125 yards. And he's had 12 more carries than, than what he'd had at this point last year. So... This one thing I'm not actually that concerned about, and, and I think I actually previously on this podcast I have said I'm worried about it. Um, I think it's just, this is just him. This is his game. He seems to they seem to manage his workload very very well in the week. He always has like an additional rest day, and I think that's their way of 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 almost prolonging him is by giving him that, and it doesn't impact him on a Sunday. He is the only person in this offense right now that can. Or certainly from Sunday, who can come out really with any real credit because he's just playing his tail off and long may that continue. I think the difference is we talk about being a team, I think you mentioned it earlier, Harry, around being a team that you know has a, a lot of time in possession. It's about the points that you get in, with that time though and that was our issue on Sunday. Nine points from those first three drives did cost us. Uh, the game would have been probably better, you know, dead and buried if we'd uh, if we'd scored two touchdowns from those three first three drives. So, but Henry, for me, I used to be very concerned about the number of carries, but now I just think this is his game. This is what he does. I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff anytime soon, right now, because I think the way he's built and what he does in the gym and how he looks after himself. And there was that video on Twitter that came out this week from him in 20, I think it might be 2016, just after we drafted him. And he's, I mean, it just looks like a completely different human being. It's He's just come on leaps and bounds. And, you know, this is the Derek Henry. I think you know, he's going to have a good few years left in him, even if he is carrying the ball 30 times a game. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to argue against myself here as well and say that he didn't really have loads of uh, carries in college. You know, he didn't really play too much in his freshman and, and sophomore season. And then obviously he was behind Marco Murray in his first couple of years at Tennessee as well. But yeah. the question for you, Miles, really, could you ever see Derek Henry winning the MVP? You know, if he drags us to to the playoffs, obviously he's been our main player. He rushes for over 2,000 yards, you know, 2,000 yards again and maybe even breaks the Russian title. Can you see him, you know, even being in that conversation? I know he's in a Tennessee market, which probably doesn't get that conversation started too well but could you see it I think Derek Henry's cool but the Titans still aren't I think Derek Henry's managed to get enough sort of credit on the NFL network where everyone loves him but the Titans are just like it's almost like he's bigger than the Titans almost in terms of their eyes I mean if you look at his stats he's already a Hall of Famer I mean that and he's still got I don't know how many years left it's it's a broken league almost. Uh, all it takes is, if Ka- for example, if Callum Murray continues doing what he's doing now, I'd almost guarantee he gets the MVP. But to have back-to-back-to-back seasons or whatever, it'll end up being leading the league in rushing yards. And I mean, 17 games, so he could he could smash a record if he wanted to, let alone beat it. 
But I think the way this league is, unless you're a quarterback, it's very difficult to... Even when Todd Gurley had his crazy season, and it wasn't so much the yards he actually got, but the amount of touchdowns he was getting and everything, he was the reason the Rams got to a Super Bowl. And he, I think he got offensive player of the year, maybe, but he was never anywhere near the MVP question. So I think, I think sadly this year, like every other year, until he starts playing quarterback as well, when we just turn to Wildcat <laughs> and we just surely have him as our quarterback, I think it's... it's it works uh, in Baltimore. I mean, that, that throw, I mean, it works then. Look, I, I, I agree. I, don't, I think the reason he win, doesn't win the MVP is not because of any of the achievements he's got. He's the most, this is the most all, all round Derek Henry, or most rounded Derek Henry player that we've had in terms of he's contributing in more than just, just running the ball. We talked about earlier about, you know, he's had eight more catches than he had at this point last year for about 92 more yards than, than what he was at, the, at this point last year. Um, he, he, he should be in, in the conversation for it. Absolutely. But, he, I mean, he's already up there. And if you look at, I can't remember what, it, what the stat was the other day in terms of, I can't remember if it's like number of 100-yard rushing games or something along those lines. He's literally up there with Hall, every single one of them around him was a Hall of Famer. And he will be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. If he continues, Certainly if he continues. But you know, even even if his career came to a crashing halt tomorrow, I, I think he's, he's done enough to, to be considered in that realm because... He is. He has carried us for the last two or three years, and he's just getting better and better. And I had I saw something earlier which I have to mention because every year I draft him in fantasy, all I hear is, "Ah, oh, yeah, but he doesn't catch the ball. He doesn't do this. Doesn't do that." He's actually got twice the receiving yards that Alvin Kamara's got up to uh, up to week four, which I, I actually found quite interesting. I think that the. There's, there's crazy things going on. This like James Winston from like 17 touchdowns and only having like 100 yards or something. I don't know how they're doing it over there. Um, obviously, he's more likely to throw picks. We all know Winston's story. Um, before we, I guess, move on to what will hopefully be better times, was there was there anything after after the game? Any sort of lasting thoughts or anything that we wanted to sort of not dwell on? Because I feel like it's one of them. The games happen, we move on, but. Were we generally disappointed that it went to overtime and we didn't go for two? I know we're talking about with the issue with what happened with London, but do you think, did anyone think we should have gone for two and just got the game out of the way? We were getting beat deep. Harry, do you, do you not think we should have just gone for it and just been like, come on, it's the Jets here? Or do you reckon we were too worried to potentially lose to the Jets, which obviously happened? No, I think we would have been better off taking the two or at least giving it a shot there, really. Um, you know, with a depleted roster, your O-line's been a carousel, carousel all day with injuries and also letting the Jets get pressure on. Um, and even if you don't make that first possession in overtime, you don't have Brett Kern and you don't have a punter that you trust punting the ball and you don't have a holder that works well with a kicker. So personally, I would have gone for it, but sure. Um, shoulda, woulda, coulda. And uh, we'll see next time we're in that situation, whether he does. Um you know, it'll probably be in the AFC Championship game where you know, he's going to have to have some absolutely massive stones to do it or something like that. But, you know, and if he does and we lose it, well, we'll never hear the last of it on this podcast. So here we are. Uh, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, I'm not bothered that he didn't really go for two. I was actually more bothered that on fourth down, he decided to, to kick it to tie it up 
or to try and tie it up. Um, when you haven't got your normal holder, you've got a, a punter that's come in and already shanked one punt, so he's probably not the most confident guy hold, holding a 49-yarder to to Randy Bullock, who, apart from that kick, has been pretty much perfect since joining. But um, look, I appreciate it's fourth and ten, but a tie and a seven with 17 games this year means even less than it has done in previous years with 16 games. So why not just roll the dice and fourth and 10 and just think, you know what, let's go and try and win this game. We're in a position that, you know, we had to to make a play and, and that wouldn't have been obviously impossible. Probably not. Odds wouldn't have been in our favour with how the game was going, but I would have much preferred them fourth and 10 us going for that than us trying to tie the game. No one wants to tie the game. I mean, it's, everyone knows that. And sure, if they'd done that and missed it, it probably would have been re- ridiculed, but you know, they've been ridiculed anyway. So I would have rolled the dice on fourth and 10 right at the end and just to try and win that game. Because they convert that fourth and 10, all of a sudden your confidence is up and you're probably running that into the end zone. Um, but it's done now. I think it's all onto the Jags. And then what is going to be a tough few weeks after that? There you go, Titans fans. You've heard it. The game's happened. We all need to move on. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. You probably drank it away at the weekend anyway, but we're officially past it now and we're going to move on to uh, the Jags. And we're starting to set up a new feature, which I think we're going to call Pat Chat because we seem to talk to them so often and obviously we meet the uh, friends of Jacksonville so often. So uh, I'm going to hand you over now to future past whatever version of uh, Pat Chat it is, depending on when we're recording. So uh, Pat, tell us how the Titans are going to beat the Jags. By my reckoning, this is your fourth appearance on the Transatlantic Titans pod. Uh, Patrick Jackson, I'd, I'd like to just say Jags fan, but actually you're probably our official podcast Jaguars correspondent. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Adam. It's been a turbulent time, more turbulent than you'd expect for an 0-4 team. But um, yeah, <laughs> glad to be on again. It's always nice to chat to you. Yeah, it, it's... Well, firstly, 0-4 start... And actually, I think like sometimes sometimes a, a record could be false. I'm not saying this is entirely false, but having watched the Bengals game in week four, I see signs of life in Jacksonville and actually thought that they were unlucky to end up losing that game. They could, could have won it. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes winning and losing can be, become a habit. It's a streak that you imagine should be broken soon. Um how do, how do you see it? I mean, do you think that 0-4 is a bit harsh or um, are the team playing better? 0-4 is exactly what the team deserves. Um, I think the Bengals game was the best we've played so far and the closest we've come to deserving a win, but not close enough. Um, it's nice that it was the first game of the season where the problems didn't stem from things like offensive play calling. That was pretty uh, reasonable for the first time this season. But they've traded away a lot of defensive pieces. So when we needed those third and medium, third and long stops against um, the Bengals, we couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, perhaps that's no surprise. We're having to start a, a rookie um, and he's struggled in the deep ball. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we need Tyson Campbell to... Uh, accelerate his development to fill in the gap left by the likes of CJ Henderson and Sidney Jones. Oh, well, you mentioned CJ Henderson. What's the thinking behind that trade? I mean, for anyone listening who doesn't know, 
um, the the Jags have gained Dan Arnold, the tight end from the Panthers, and and traded away I think last year's first round pick C.J. Henderson, possibly the year before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was any thinking behind that? It seems to not make sense to me. The Jaguars trades in general have been fairly baffling this season. So <laughs> we traded Joe Schobert for virtually nothing. He was a very major part of the offense at linebacker. Um, and then a lot of depth pieces around the safety and cornerback room. And then this trade for CJ Henderson kind of a few games into the season. Um, it was CJ in a fifth for uh, Dan Arnold and a third. So we get a slight upgrade in a draft pick as well. But given how we used the last year's draft picks, it's a question. So um, CJ was drafted pick nine in 2021 overall, maybe slightly overdrafted, but widely touted as cornerback two in that draft class and expected to go first round maybe early second round at a push um i'd have gone tristan worse with that pick incidentally um and the um the the trade you know we have some injuries at tight end so we lost james o'shaughnessy our main receiving tight end so it fills a gap in the offense but a gap that i think is less important than the gap that is left in the defense and that's what the game against the bengals underlined so all right dan arnold's only had a few days to get into the offense he had two catches for 29 yards i think um that doesn't make up for the deficiencies we saw in the second half um in terms of maintaining a lead and you know we gave up a 14 point advantage to lose by three in the end that's that's kind of how it goes yeah so, offensively, you're probably happier than defensively. I think that's fair to say. Um, how about Trevor Lawrence? How's he working out? Um, he hasn't got a win yet, but um, signs of life. First first overall pick in the entire draft. Um, so, you've got to expect big things from him at some point. Um, what's your assessment so far? He seems to be exactly what you want for the face of a franchise, really. He's kind of a, a wholesome, humble guy, but extremely talented on the field and what we've seen in his game is um fewer and fewer mistakes in terms of like interceptions and fumbles and that sort of thing better pocket presence better decision making and the offensive play calling i think has put him in better positions as well in the last couple of games so we saw starting out we were getting behind a couple of scores early and then he has to take risks he has to stretch the field and that's when you're more likely to make those sort of um simple interception mistakes in the game against the Bengals we utilized James Robinson more than we have all season so far and that got us a lot of um third and short sort of situations we were ahead on the scoreboard as well which really helped him so it was his best game so far it was the offensive play calling's best game so far as well and I don't think that's any coincidence that they go hand in hand yeah but so yeah sometimes one thing can lead the other can't it if the the running game's working um it helps the passing game if you're ahead in a game, that that helps the running game further. And yeah, from what I've seen, it yeah, you were moving the ball pretty well in that game. Um, yeah, he's got a James nice Robinson connection with um, Marvin Jones Jr. at the moment. He's linking up nicely with LaVisca Chenault, who's a bit of a wrecking ball kind of um, short-range receiver and can go along if you need him to. So that all bows really well. Um, the loss of DJ Chark's a fairly big one for the rest of the season, but he didn't seem to be one of Lawrence's preferred targets anyway. You know, he's a deep set, deep threat, stretch the field sort of player that you need to have the variety in your offense to let the underneath stuff have the space to work. But we've got 
um, Tavon Austin coming in to do that job now as well. So uh, having him back from injury is big for that offense, I think. Okay. Defensively, um, on the on the other hand, you, you've mentioned the the struggles against the pass, and we're obviously interested in how you're going to how you're going to do against the run. <laughs> not not too well in recent years, and well, most teams that the Titans play. Um, seem to struggle with that for a very big, fast, obvious reason. Um, how much hope is there um, of having some success there? It looks like the strongest suit of our defence. Now, that's not to say um, it's strong in terms of the overall NFL. I thought loftily that we'd be in the top half of uh, defence against the run statistics. When I looked it up, we're not. It's just that the rest of the defence is so poor that it looks really good by comparison. But we kept Joe Mixon fairly quiet for, well, at least the first half. And he is, to my surprise, right up there in the top kind of five uh, running backs in the season. So, all right, Henry's a step above everyone else on that list, um, both in terms of yards and in terms of just the physicality of his game. But I think our defensive strength matches up with your offensive strength. So there was a period this weekend when I was relatively optimistic about our chances next week, um, particularly if AJ Brown and Julio Jones are still uh, still questionable, because then your receiving core doesn't show a lot of um, threat. Yeah, we we saw that against the Jets, a hundred percent, and we yeah, missed those two big names. I mean, don't get me wrong; other, other plenty of other things went wrong in that game, uh, but not having that receiving threat really limited the offense. Um, I don't, I don't want to suggest that anyone hopes for injuries or hopes that <laughs> injuries last longer, but you you'd only be human as a fan. Um, the threat of Westbrook Aquina. Um, Chester Rogers, um, Josh Reynolds doesn't quite have the have the same gravitas, and we saw that. Um, how confident are you about this game in general? Um, we've sent the the Jets off to London with a win. We could send the the Jags off to London with a win. Yeah, I was tipping us to win for all of about six hours, thinking that you know if if their injuries stay up, we've got decent defense against the run. There's less stress on the secondary to hold up if the um the the main line receivers of the Titans aren't there. Their defense is looking fairly ropey, and our offenses look better and better every game. But that relies on the team being fully 100% focused about the next game that's coming, and <laughs> it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case this week. And you know we're not a team that can afford to take its eye off the ball at any point because of everything needing to click together to give us a competitive performance. So should should we talk about that that elephant in the room or the elephant on the dance floor? Actually, that's very <laughs> unkind to the lady concerned. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, Urban Myers issued a slightly strange apology. Would that be a fair description? Uh, yeah, the majority of his presses are, and uh, this definitely falls into that category. It's when this news first broke and the video came out. It's just like. Yeah, I don't care what Urban does in his downtime. If he wants to go to a bar, whatever. If someone flirts with him in that absolutely, bar, absolutely. it may happen. If he might have flirted back, I, I don't care. He's in his off time, just after a game's happened, whatever. And then it kind of comes out that oh, he flew, he didn't fly back to Jacksonville with the team. He flew to Ohio on his own to have a little bit of leisure time. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, that's all right. It's slightly unusual. It doesn't quite fit into his 
team before self we've all got to bond together and band and be as one sort of mentality so he's out of tune with his own message but still not that bothered and then some more images surfaced today after his apology in which he seemed to suggest like oh yeah it was a a one-off encounter that I should have removed myself from and that was a mistake on my part and then some footage comes out that he's met this woman before so it rather than it being a one-off random encounter in a bar it looks more like that it was an arranged meeting that he snuck off to not particularly successful sneaking it seems to uh, happen so I was all on board with if it's personal stuff I don't care as long as it doesn't affect the product on the pitch you know you're entitled to a personal life as well but it's definitely going to affect the product on the pitch because we've already heard that Monday planning sessions for the upcoming game were cancelled so he could quotes deal with the aftermath of this situation that he's caused that's got to have a knock-on effect to the preparedness for the next game so then suddenly it becomes a case of well uh, yeah then now it's having a knock-on effect on the game you need to get your house in order and it's not good for the figurehead at the top of the organization to have undermined his own self before team sort of message which he's been trying to put out all off season yeah as a, as a head coach you've got to have authority and respect and if that's that's missing there's there's a problem clearly um, yeah from from what i'm hearing you know, ver- various players obviously aren't happy and um, from you know that they're, they're turning up to work on monday and work isn't what they expected it to be and um, because you're, you're dealing with an incident i, I mean I, I completely agree about you know, so, someone's personal life and um, but you can't be naive as to think that in this day and age, someone, someone's going to take a photo or a video or do a t- what sounds like a tiny bit of investigative work and discover. I mean, it's it's not even it's not. I was going to say scandal. It's not even close to that. But it's enough to to cause a distraction. Um, Shad Khan made a statement as well. So he said. How did he he described um, the actions as inexcusable, I think, or uh, a a pretty scathing word, um, but then sort of went on to say, I yeah, I I believe his uh, his regret and remorse, and he's going to have to earn back the respect, and that that's quite a statement for a team owner to make, right? Yeah, and there's plenty of people that didn't want him here in the first place, so they've all obviously jumped on this as a I told you so, get him out of our club. I was well, more is, is that actually a that's an observation I mean it's would it be fair I mean if it was a a head say Belichick had done this or Andy Reid or a head coach that's established and popular in their organization and with with their the local media and so on this would play out completely differently hmm. and I did, yeah I did read someone say if we beat the Titans and no one will care about this anymore. It'll be forgotten. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's probably fairly right. It's not like it's a major scandal. It's a minor, you know, at worst, a minor marital indiscretion. And to be honest, you know, it's personalised. I don't care. As, as, lo- as long as it's not affecting the performance of the club on the pitch, I don't care. But it clearly will be in the short term while the repercussions are dealt with. And it does feel like the um, response to it could have been stronger more official you know you could have just come out and said my personal life is no business of this press conference this is about the jaguars and the titans so if you want to ask me questions about that go ahead but i'm not going to talk about what i did in a bar during my off time because that's none of your business yeah 
it's not they're not coming across like a tight-knit group are they absolutely not it was a fairly weak half-assed apology that's already been somewhat debunked so yeah it doesn't bode well it just kind of spirals downwards okay um give us a prediction dare i say it all all that said um maybe uh, as as you say your your hopes have dwindled somewhat um, but how do you think it's going to go when i was in a position thinking this is some personal life thing that won't affect the on-field performance i was thinking jags 21 titans sorry jags 24 titans 21 now that i know the uh, ramifications are going to be slightly more serious i think maybe 21 14 titans have flip-flopped a little bit so it's specifically a 10 point issue i like that we can be that precise yeah <laughs> um before i let you go as we always ask um if you can give us a name of i mean it's more difficult in division you know we we all know each other fairly well <laughs> um but if you give us a name that titans fans won't necessarily know about that we should be fearful of or look out for uh, one on offense, one on defense, perhaps. So Andrew Wingard has somehow established himself a, a, stot at, a spot at starting safety, having been mostly a bit part um, special teams, giving penalties away expert in uh, the earlier parts of his career. But he does have our only turnover of the season with a nice interception recently. So he stepped up his game really well in an area of quite a lot of importance, given the uh, dubious trading that we've done in the uh, off-season. So Andrew Wingard's a man to look out for on on defence. On offence, we have an injury to AJ Can in the offensive line, which means Ben Barch steps up, um, second-year rookie, quite a mauling offensive lineman. And, you know, I like watching that sort of player. So <laughs> he might be one to watch um, in front of Trevor, giving him a bit of protection and creating some lanes for uh, James Robinson, hopefully. I'd like to say you're the first person this year that's answered this question with an offensive lineman, uh, but Nate did about the Colts as well, <laughs> which will come as no surprise. To you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it. There we go. Um, thanks so much, Pat. Pleasure as ever. We'll go back to Greg, Mars and Harry. Cheers, Adam. There you go. Seems like a lot of uh, sensible comments for what will be a sensible victory for the Titans. Uh so, Greg, I believe that we've sent out some, uh, well, hopefully we've received some questions on Twitter. I know we've been uh, inundated in the past few weeks with no questions. Um, so hopefully this week we might have actually received some. Inundated with no questions. I like that. Um, yeah, we, we've had some. Um, some that are genuine questions and some that 100% aren't, one of which came from from our normal host. But um so I'll kick off with that one, shall I? Because why not? Um, would you rather have ears the size of your feet or feet the size of your ears? We'll kick off with you, Miles, I guess. Uh, I have size 12 feet. <laughs> and I already have an unattractive bald head. And I think the idea of having size 12 ears attached to them would be recreating Dumbo. Um, I, can, I can stuff shoes to make them work. I'd rather have smaller, uh, airy feet. Yeah, I'm with you on that one as well. Even though it looked like a, I'd look like a duck. But yeah, that's fine. I'll take that all day long. Much rather than that than humongous ears. Harry. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly the same answer there. Definitely got to go for the the feet, the size of ears, haven't you? Hundred percent. If you're doing anything else, you know. But you know what they say about big feet and small feet, you know. 
gets by kids shoes so yeah that's true that's very true um pickled onion monster munch or scampion fries crisps again uh, we're going to go to our crisps uh expert uh miles tarry i'm deeply worried with the first one i was hoping it'd be followed by flame and hot monster munch and (laughs) we would have been onto something there uh it'll be the latter for me because pickled onions just just wrong and i'm ready for the controversy bring it on twitter but Nah, I'm not having pickled onion. None of that. Harry? It's got to be pickled onion. First of all, yeah. they're shaped like little monster's feet. Secondly, you know, <laughs> then you can eat the toes, which is glass. Makes the crisp feel longer. And then finally, pickled onion, just good flavour. Problem solved. Although I do agree, Flaming Hot is the best one. And don't come at me with roast beef. I don't want any of that. Nah, nah. I'm, with, I'm on the roast beef bandwagon right here and I'm defending it. I'm going to die on this hill. Dying on this hill. But uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Sean, for that question. Um, what else have we got? We've got uh, how do you pronounce scone or scone? Which way do you go around it? And now I'm going to head over to our uh, our catering expert, uh, Harry Maltby. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a scone. Um, just feels more proper, doesn't it? If you're having cream and jam and a rich biscuit, it's going to be a scone. So yeah, scone, scone. Miles, I think I'm scone. Which is worrying because I'm pretty sure I was the idiot who asked this question. You were um, the idiot who asked this question, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, scone for me. I'm obviously still with jam and cream, but yeah. Okay. Um, it depends if it's on the plate. If it's not there, it's scone. If it is there, it's scone. Uh, that's the actual answer. Um, okay, uh, what else have we got? Let me just quickly roll through because I've lost the there was actually a serious question that someone asked I say serious it, it, I mean as serious as you're going to get from the people who follow our account um there is it duh, 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 duh. uh Nate who is a friend of the show and a Colts fan even without AJ and JJ uh you're better you're a better team than the Jets what the shit happened uh I think we've already covered the majority of this but the fact that a Colts fan is that interested is interesting. Rob Langley, um, can you see a point within the next 87 years that our defence will improve? I mean, I, I very much doubt I'm going to be here in 87 years' time. But, Miles, do, do you see it? When the coaching changes, yes. Okay. Harry? Uh, yeah, you'd hope so. If we don't improve in 87 years, something's gone dreadfully wrong. Or offences have become amazing. So Referees just throw flags up all the time for DPI and the game's just ruined anyway, which I, I actually think that's more likely. Um, Sean had another question, which I think we may have answered. I think I may have answered it for us, though, but we'll go around the table and see. Is it uh, this week, Janoris or Jack Rabbit? Oh, it's Janoris. He's... <laughs> I think I'm fairly uh, I'm fairly done on Jenkins as a whole. He can call himself whatever he wants, but it's not it's going to be bleaked out from now on. Okay, and that, I think that was it for question time. But uh, if anyone has any questions they want to ask, we record every Tuesday, and we really look forward to hearing them. So send them in to at Transatlantic TS. Excellent and. Uh, if they want to continue to be crisp related, I'm happy to be known as the crisp expert going forward. I have no issue with that. I've been called much worse. Um, and moving on in classic Titans fashion, 
uh, we're going to have to move on to our non-related. And I'll get mine out of the way because mine seems to be uh, the same old that mine either involves food or experiences in the cinema. This week it's the cinema. Uh, you'll all be happy to hear. Um, mine's a short and sweet one that I feel there should be a rule that you're not allowed to discuss films until you're outside of the cinema. Reason for this being that on Saturday, I was helping a friend who worked at my local cinema um, because it was extra busy because uh, this was a certain Bond film. Don't worry, I watched it today. No spoilers going to be coming from me. I just highly recommend it. But while I was walking around, there's just so many people that will walk out the screen and go, oh, I can't believe yada, 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 yada. I had the film spoiled for me within two minutes of stepping into that cinema. Um, so when I went to watch it today, it's still a great film, but the shine's completely taken off. So I think they need to introduce a rule where you're not allowed to discuss anything until you're outside. Um, purely just for everyone else's benefit, really, because it ruins things very quickly. Um, so, yeah, short and sweet for me. I, I'm, everyone's nodding along here on uh, Skype, so I'm sure they agree. But, Harry, have you got something much more entertaining than what I had to offer? Uh, yeah, so I've got two. First of all, never let a cat in your room whilst you're uh, recording a podcast. When it bites your arm and you're trying to make a point, it becomes very hard. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, so, secondly, um, so basically we've just done like our weekly food shop. Um, and we usually go to Audi, which is quite reasonable. No dramas and no thrill. And we're in and out of there in about half an hour. Now, we went to Sainsbury's. The shop was an extra £40, £50 and spent an extra 20 minutes in there. So uh, I just don't know why you do it to yourself. And also shopping as a couple is really awkward and shopping at this time in the evening is even worse because you'll see people and you'll see them in the same aisles as you are then for the rest of your journey. So you almost then like need to mix it up and like go freezer first, which no one wants to do because obviously ice cream's mounted. And then like you run out of small talk really quick. So like you see them in the chicken aisle or the poultry aisle and you're like, oh, you're right. Yeah. Having a good night. Yeah. 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 And then after like, by the time that you buy the crisps, you're like, yeah, I like walkers too. Walk on. Like, let's get gone. Like, <laughs> right. so it's, uh, yeah, that was my non-Titans related because it, I just don't like food shopping at the best of times. And that was horrible. I refuse point blank to, to go into them in supermarkets with, with my wife. I just, I just sit in the car. I'm just like, you go in, I'll sit in the car. It's the best half an hour of my week, to be honest with you. Whenever that happens, it's great. I can, I actually just sit there either playing games or looking for funny things on Twitter uh, and don't have to go into supermarkets. It's it's literally the dream. But yeah, I can't, I can't stand supermarkets. Yeah, no one wants to watch me spend half an hour selecting what crisps I want for the uh, Titans game. So shopping experience for me is definitely not one for... Uh, it's not a spectator sport for sure. Um, Greg, end on a positive. Yeah, so I, um, I've i worked in, in London for about 13 years or so. Um, and obviously during the pandemic, I spent pretty much the last 18 months working from home. So I went from an hour and three quarters slash two hour commute um, every single each way, every single day um, to rolling out of bed and walking down a set of stairs to what is now my office um and it's now uh life is getting back to normal um i'm finally as of this week 
going back into the into the office a couple of days a week, which is good. Um, and it's actually something that's actually been quite nice. So I've been to London a few times for work during the pandemic, or not necessarily obviously during lockdown, but certainly during that period where everyone was kind of away from home and the city was just dead. You'd walk through Leicester Square, which normally is a thriving, buzzing place, and it would be, you know, about four people walking around. Um, and so it's actually quite good to see the city back thriving again, uh, even though it means that the seat next to you is no longer free and you can kind of casually roll your legs onto there or practically lay down. It means that people actually want to sit next to you. Um, but a couple of disguised coughs works quite well to, to avoid that happening. But um, don't tell me I told you that. Um, no, but it's, it's actually been, it is a positive one. And actually even, but my actual non-times related is to do with... Um, getting older and going from being someone who watches a terrible football team here in the UK, normally standing on a pretty cold terrace um, with, with a load of Neanderthals most of the time watching a game. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in more hospitality settings more recently, and I've decided it's the way to watch football come at me. This is, this is the Greg's humble brag. I, I am I am 100% now one of those prawn sandwich types who just like, yeah, I'm quite happy not to. I mean, I missed like half an hour of one of the games I was watching the other day because I was inside having a beer. Um, luckily, it's not a team I support, so I didn't really care that much. But I decided that's now the way to watch football. Um, and I think it's because I'm getting a lot older and I don't really want to be one of those people in the mix of having... Coke bottles thrown at my head, um, which has happened many occasions. So, yeah, I'm either getting old or this is the worst humble brag ever. It's definitely not a humble brag, um, but it's definitely the way to watch football. In other fans' defence, though, if I was going to love a Coke bottle or a fan in my own stand, I'd probably aim for you because you are quite, you know... <laughs> That's true. I mean, I'm an easy target, right? I mean, yeah. So... Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, for the people with the prawn sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, I don't like prawns, ironically. Cucumber. And that's an, that's the that's the Adam Foxcroft at, uh, at Box Rage fun fact for you. <laughs> this is, if there was ever a way to end the podcast, it's letting you know that Greg doesn't actually like prawns. Um, <laughs> it's this week. It's gonna be a lot better, guys. Feel positive. It's the Jags. We all know who they are. We're all gonna overthink it now because of what's happened with the Jets. Don't overthink it. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is all right, but with the Titans, we've got Derek Henry, who's going to have 14,000 yards this season on the ground. And he might even have a 1,000 in the air at the rate he's going. Uh, Greg, Harry, thank you so much for joining us this week. Next week, we might be back with more people. Depends on the result. Uh, I hope that's not the case, and actually, we have a full step. Um, but other than that, everyone have a great week, and tighten up, everybody. Tighten up. up.